Welcome to the SoulWorks Podcast, a place where we explore self-care strategies that lead us to our well-being and highest self. I'm your host, Ade Chakol. Hi, beautiful souls. Welcome to the show. If you have been here with me all this time, I thank you. I am so grateful for you and I appreciate you so much. Um, I hope that you are learning so much from this podcast, just as I am. And uh, for those of you that are new and this is your first time listening to the podcast, I welcome you with an open heart. I love you and I thank you for being here. Um, I do bring in just amazing, beautiful souls into this podcast to share their journey, their expertise, their wisdom and knowledge to help us as a resource get to a point where we um, have all the tools and all the information we need to go towards our highest self. And um, that's what I'm all about, to bring in just amazing people and different perspectives to help you you know, make your path towards reaching your most authentic and highest self, make it easier and more enjoyable. So um, I welcome you and I love you all so much. And uh, just like any other time, I have another beautiful soul here with me today. Uh, I have Andrea Stuckey. She's a passionate, she's passionate about helping women through the devastating life changes that come along with uh, separation and divorce. She's the founder of Live Life Loved Coaching and Divorced Women Unite, um, where as a certified life coach, she is dedicated to providing resources to help separated and divorced women rebuild, redefine, and liberate their lives. She is the author of several books, including a number one Amazon bestseller. Andrea enjoys teaching women how to cultivate and activate their gifts and talents in order to redefine their lives and pursue their dreams. Having gone through divorce twice, she coaches and empowers women, shares her journey, and gives spiritual and practical keys that are applicable to live a liberated lifestyle. So, you know, this um, topic is so dear to my heart because this is also the journey that I have walked through and I'm still walking through, you know, after, um, you know, when I reached out to Andrea to talk about divorce and separation. I thought that was, you know, mainly going to be focused for people who have been to, you know, have gone through that journey. But as we recorded and right after I finished this podcast, I realized that, in fact, I think this is just as helpful for people who are in a relationship or are still married or who plan on um, getting into a relationship because there's just so much information, so much wisdom shared here that will help you build your um, your yourself and help you build in on your relationship. And um, there's just so much valuable, just deep conversation here that I think is beneficial to everybody and not just uh, people who have gone through a divorce. 
even though that was my intention when I reached out to her, I found that um, this is just so helpful for anybody and anybody. So I'm just so grateful that um, she's here with me uh, today to for me to um, present her to you and give you this just amazing soul um, for you to just enjoy, sit back, listen. And um, once you're done, definitely let me know what your thoughts are. Um, I love to hear from you guys all the time. You know that. So I hope you enjoy this beautiful podcast just as much as I did. And without further ado, here is Andrea. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. For uh, those of you who are new, welcome. And uh, I have an amazing guest today again. Um, today, I have Andrea Stuckey here. Andrea is a divorce coach. She's the divorce liberator. She's just an amazing person. She's re- uh, written five amazing books. And I'm just so grateful, Andrea, that you're here with us. And welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, Addie. Wonderful. Um, so before I get into any questions, I have um, one question that I ask. What is your morning routine? Okay, wow. Well, my morning routine, um, you know, has shifted at this recording, I guess, We'll all know about COVID-19 whenever you hear this podcast. And so um, during this season of the past several months, I've had to shift my routine, as many people have. But generally, my routine is I wake up um, early, generally 5, 30, 6 o'clock, (laughs) pre-COVID, with school routines and things like that. Um, But I really, uh, I go into prayer. I go into meditation. um, I do some reading and journaling. That is standard for every single morning. And then when my daughter's in school, I generally take her to school and I begin my work day in terms of whatever I need to do for my coaching practice. And since we've been sort of at this taping in the COVID environment that has shifted a lot. And so gyms and those type of things have been closed. And so I've had to kind of um, restructure my health and wellness plan, which is very, very important to me. So for the past three weeks at this taping, I have been um, doing those things I just mentioned, getting up and between seven and eight, heading out to walk slash run as an exercise routine. That's very important to me. And that's generally how I start each and every day. So prayer, meditation, um, and included in that prayer meditation is a self-declaration, sort of affirmation. We can talk about that a little later if you'd like. Um, Some type of reading, um, journaling, and then I move forward from that point. Mm, That sounds wonderful. Yeah, I always ask this because I love to know what people do to set themselves up for a fabulous day. And um I agree with you. Absolutely. You know, taking out time, a little bit of time in the morning for yourself to connect with God and to pray, meditate. I, you know, for me, it's essential. So uh, that's wonderful. So what inspired you to become a divorce coach? Uh, For me, I didn't know about, um, you know, a divorce coach. I wish I had, but I didn't. And, (laughs) you know, it sounds um, like a wonderful resource. Uh, But tell us about your journey. How did you, you know, get into it and what inspired you? Right. Well, it's so interesting, Addie, that you asked that question because 
I, just like many other, you know, women um, and women who've gone through a, a separation divorce, I was really just living my life, right? Trying to pick up the pieces after my second divorce. At the time of that divorce, my children were six and 16. And so being a pretty much a stay-at-home mom, uh, prior to that, I had to sort of begin to work again, have my children in therapy. I was in therapy and all those things that are sort of necessary for us to kind of, you know, just really transition. We moved. My kids were in, I was homeschooling at the time. I homeschooled one year post-separation and then I put them into traditional schooling. And so really I was on that journey. And right around um, two years into my post-separation you know, separation, journey because it actually took two and a half years before the divorce was final. So I kind of lumped those two together, um, but I was living as a single and that type of thing. And I've always been a writer with poetry and that type of thing, but a book title popped in my head, if you will. And the book title was set, Suddenly Single. And I was like, why am I, you know, and I believe God just sort of placed it in my spirit, if you will. But I had no anticipation of writing a book, okay? None at all. I was just trying to, you know, pick up the pieces of my life, right? And so I said, okay, well, let me just put this title in my note section of my phone and, and move on, you know, with life, which I did. And three years later, I felt this huge impression to write this book. I can't even really explain it. I believe it was God in some way, just kind of, you know, put, putting that pressure, if you will, on me to write the book. Okay, I'll write the book. And also at that time, I think five years is a good mark, if you will, post-divorce or post-separation where I had really gotten some clarity on some things. And, and, and mind you, coaching was not in the process of this at all. I had not thought about any of that. Now, before I move forward, with talking about writing the book and how that propelled me into coaching. On my separated and divorced journey, I did receive therapy. We'll talk a little more about that later. And then I also received some coaching at that early season, that first year or two of my separation slash divorce. Okay. So let's fast forward five years. So I write this book and the moment that I begin writing this book, perusing, you know, social media, as you will, as we all do, I started getting information, like somebody shared, shared something. And I started getting information about how your book is a business. I got introduced to my business coach. And without getting I could talk about that whole process for probably two hours. But I went from book to business, right, understanding how those two connect. And I actually took a life coach certification course. And the big piece about that is all my experiences, if you will, when I began to write that book, uh, sort of shifted my experiences into writing as an author, but also into purpose with a desire to help other women. Now I've said a mouthful. So if you need some clarity, <laughs> just let, just let me know. <laughs> so you were coaching while you were writing your book or was it after your book was published after my book was after my book was published now i started i became i i you know um created my llc understanding that once you write a book because your book is a business when you start selling so i had already you know created my, my business if you will but i didn't get into coaching until that following year so it was like one thing spurred into another and as i began to you know, get my certification in coaching, I realized how all of my experiences, 
right? From my marriage of 13 years, my first marriage of five years, all those lessons, all that experience, all those challenges played right into um, my role as a coach, as a divorce coach. And so that was five years post-divorce. And now we're another five years post inception. What would you say are like the biggest things that you learned in that journey um, with, you know, so after you wrote your book and then you started coaching people, uh, especially, you know, with divorce, and we see a lot of um, anxiety and people having, you know, self-esteem issues and also even depression. What, like, what were the things that stood out to you and what did you learn from them? Well, over time I learned several things, which is the beauty of coaching, which is the beauty of any time you're serving, right, others. You learn a lot about yourself as well. But one of the things that I learned, well, several. One thing is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And that's a famous quote. I don't know who wrote it, but it's so true because when a person is ready, i.e. post-divorce, and we're talking about women here, when you're ready to move forward, when you're ready for something different, when you're ready to see a change, then you can open yourself up to work it, to work towards those goals, whatever they may be. And so I have found that um, even in my, my early coaching experience is that sometimes people just aren't ready out of their season. They're not ready to move forward, right? They're not ready um, to change or they're afraid. Or that, you know, they're afraid. I mean, I understand I was married for 13 years. It can be very difficult to transition. Um, so that's the, one of the things I found out that everyone's not always ready to be coached. Very clear. The second thing is um, we talk about depression and anxiety. I like to walk lightly on those topics because I'm not a therapist. I am a coach. Being a coach, I do understand that situational depression is a part of the divorce recovery right? Because the depression is based on the situation and transition of divorce. So I can help women through that very lightly, if you will. I'm very cautious with that because I don't handle clinical suppression. That is for a therapist. And so, and I have lots of therapist friends. And if that is what my clients need, and they're really, really suffering from anxiety and or more of a chronic type of depression, those are areas that I personally don't really, um, that's not my expertise if you will. And so again, there is a little bit of a crossover, but I don't, I don't work heavily. I will refer them to a therapist if I feel that they're not making progress because we all have general anxiety going through the divorce. That's normal. There is situational depression. That's part of the grieving process. That's normal. But if there is, uh, if that is hanging around too long, I don't, um, that's not my lane, if you will. And so I don't take that lightly. I will refer them to a therapist. But I will say when we talk about self-esteem, that is one of the biggest lessons in terms of understanding. That is, in my opinion, as a coach, in my experience, most women deal with a low self-esteem after divorce. And, but they may not necessarily admit that it's low self-esteem, right? Because that's kind of, you know, you have to sort of look at yourself in a way that you don't want to look at yourself, if you will. And so I've created programs and um, helps, if you will, to help women identify that because that is your foundation. 
right? How you think and feel about yourself as you move forward post-divorce is going to determine uh, the next season and the next chapters of your life, if you will. So I will say that those are the biggest lessons. When the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Everyone's not ready for coaching necessarily. And that self-esteem is one of the, uh, in my experience working with women, one of the largest pieces that women have to work on first to build their self-esteem and their self-confidence moving forward after divorce. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, Especially, you know, it's when we're ready that the teacher appears because if we're not, we don't even see, right? We're in our own, you know, in our own trauma or in our own bubble. And only when we're ready to accept change and to accept help, that's when we start to see it. And I know that because from my own experience, I had to, you know, we all have to go through our pain. We all have to go through our experiences and journey and um if if someone had come and told me you know this is what you should do if i'm not ready for it i'm not going to accept it and i absolutely absolutely agree with that um so what do you think then are you know when when we go through divorce it's a huge trauma um and Many people, you know, unless you walk through it, don't really understand the that trauma. They, it's really hard. But what are like the mental and the emotional setbacks that usually occur? Like from your experience and from the people that you've coached, divorce is a is a huge setback. And you know, what are what are those things? that you that you see right in terms of setbacks well there's a couple of things is i think one of the big pieces of divorce is um as you said it is trauma Addie. and i think unfortunately because it happens so frequently if you will like half of relationships right half of marriages that from a society standpoint um, people who haven't walked through it can can sort of minimize it you know, in terms of just the superficial part of it, hey, you know, move on, You're, you know, whoever moves out of the their home and, you know, get the kids in a new school or whatever and keep moving. But uh, divorce is so much deeper. And one of the things that I think is very important for each individual is to understand what happened in that relationship and not not based on blame of the other person but our own personal challenges that we may have had. So let me give you an example. When, we had, when we're in negative relationships and there's, and, and there's so many different variables to relationships, right? Um, but when we're in relationships, depending on where we are individually, we attract a certain type of individual in our lives. That's just a fact. And we tolerate things based on our own personal experiences. We accept things based on our personal experiences. The way that we communicate, right, wrong, or indifferent is based on our personal experiences. And so if we don't understand what those past hurts or they could have been traumatic, traumatic situations, or even just ideologies that we brought to the relationship then it's going to be challenging for us to move forward. And so for me, when I went through therapy, 
I did not recognize that I had been living a codependent life. Now, did I know about codependence? Absolutely. I went to college. I took Psych 101, right? <laughs> right? We learned some basic terminologies. But here's the thing. You know, until I really understood what role I played in codependency, not only in my marriage, but even prior to, was I able to, uh, first of all, become self-aware and address my own issue. And what I'm seeing is a lot of times this is sort of that missing link because that's the work, Addie. And I know that you know as a coach too, the work that has to be done underneath. And if we don't do that particular work, then as we move forward, and this is what I'm seeing, the challenges, we, we repeat cycles. We repeat cycles. So if you look at the statistics, a person get, gets married the first time, okay, they may divorce, but the chances of divorcing from a second marriage is higher. The third marriage is higher and each subsequent marriage is higher. Right. And so think about that for a moment. Those who are listening is when, you know, here's the common denominator in each of those relationships. It would be me or it would be you. Right. But if that undercover work is not done. We continue to bring those same. The same parts of our lives into other relationships, therefore repeating similar patterns and um, similar types of relationships. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, we need to, you know, when something happens in a relationship, um, it's easier to blame the other person, you know, but the hardest thing is to take a step back and say, what role did I play in this situation? Um, and it could be even from the little things. It could be from, you know, if we had an argument about like, what are we going to have for dinner? Instead of pointing fingers, you know, when you point a finger, three points back at you, right? But it's easier said than done because looking at yourself could be the hardest things that you can do. Like looking at your pain and um, you know, just calling yourself out isn't easy, but it needs to be done. It needs to be done so that you can move forward. Because like you said, we're going to keep repeating it. And, you know, we're, it's, if it's a relationship, you're going to meet the same type of person with a different face, really, until you... Yes, <laughs> right. Yeah, until you learn that lesson. Because to me, everything is a lesson, really. Until you understand and learn about you know, yourself, then you can't move forward. So absolutely, that makes sense. I agree with you. But you know, this is one thing. When I was going through my divorce... You know, when when you're going to get divorced, you I'm sure, you know, there's a reason and you're unhappy and you just want to be happy. So you're thinking about, OK, when I am divorced, then I will be happy because we think that we're not happy because of the situation we're in, the marriage that we're in. Uh, but I wish I knew how to move how to, you know, there are strategies for everything. I wish I 
knew what kind of help I needed when I was, go, you know, about to get divorced or when uh, during the divorce itself. There, it's not the same help that you need. You know, you need different kind of information. What do you think are, what kind of help do people need prior to a divorce and as they are going through it? And after they come out of it, like, what are the things that they need to right. know and learn? And I get this question a lot, especially like on my live streams. Um, believe it or not, I have a lot of married um, uh, individuals who will pop into my live stream. I have a big following over on Periscope. And these are some of the questions people ask me. Well, what do you think? Should I leave my spouse? You know, and of course, we're on social media. You can only give snippets of what your challenge is. But one of the things that um, I always recommend, I never tell people to leave their marriage. I don't have enough information about that. That's not my that's not my role, if you will. But one of the things I always suggest is therapy and counseling. And of course, if you can have couples therapy, great. But we also know that a lot of times there's usually one person who wants to go and one person who goes kicking and screaming or doesn't go at all, right? Statistically. But one of the things you can do as an individual, and this is what happened to me, and then I've seen this in as I've talked and met other women and coached other women along the line, along my journey, is um, I went to therapy before I even separated or divorced. And one of the things is therapy helps you learn about yourself. And as I you know, just mentioned shortly ago, is those things that are on the inside that we've been carrying, that affects how we communicate, that affects how we perceive love, you know, how we um, determine our expectations of relationships. It's all so relevant. And therapy is a wonderful thing, in my opinion. And so I believe that even when you're in your marriage and you're challenged to seek out therapy, right? And we know that all therapists are not created equal. I will definitely say that. But you pick out a therapist that is right for you, whatever that looks like, right? Sometimes it can be a belief um, issue. It can be you rather have a, a female versus a male, you know, all those different age-wise and, and that type of thing. But you find a therapist for you. And I think that that will definitely begin that um, uncovering of ourselves, because the reality is we're responsible for our own behaviors. We're responsible for our own lives. And even though we may be in um, a marriage, if you will, with another person, we're still responsible for ourselves, our behaviors, our mindsets, right? And then, uh, and sometimes that therapy can change a relationship, right? It could change it for good, but sometimes it can also really define some things in terms of ending the relationship, right? And that's unfortunate. But then even adding, you know, continued therapy if needed. And one of the things I definitely like to talk about is the difference between therapy and coaching for those who may be listening and may be unclear, where, you know, therapy is really about your past, you know, sort of unearthing, if you will, past traumatic experiences, your trash past childhood. And, you know, that therapist is um, certified, if you will, to deal with those deeper issues from a, a mental health, you know, perspective, if you will, that is their lane. And when you come into coaching, there is a little overlap, 
right? Because coaching is really about, um, and how I use, how I coach in my practice is about moving forward. So when we talk about divorced women, there is an overlap, right? Because I do have to know what their experiences were. I do have to know a little bit about their past history, right? And there's a little overlap, but our focus really is strategies and support in moving forward. And so I recommend therapy on some level. And everyone doesn't necessarily need therapy, but even when, when I even when I uh, talk to women who have children, I always suggest an evaluation, right? So even as an adult going through a divorce, hey, have an evaluation with a therapist. It definitely couldn't hurt. And for our children as well, I just wanted to throw that one in the mix. I think that it's important that they're evaluated as well to make sure that they're managing uh, the transition properly because they don't really have the emotional and the uh, the language to communicate all the time what they're really feeling during that process. So I just thought I'd throw that in as a caveat. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love um, you said something extremely important. Um, even even if we're married, we're still our own person. Uh, you know, a lot of people, including myself, when I was married, we lose ourselves when we're in a relationship and that is something we should never do like we should never lose ourselves um it's extremely important to you know to it's you know you're you're an individual and you're in a relationship with that person but once you lose yourself it's it becomes everything just becomes a blur and it it makes things just way complicated and you cannot even you know, you cannot even be there for the person. You cannot even love the person you're with, your partner, because you don't know who you are. You don't know what you, how do you know what you are contributing if you don't know yourself? Um, it's, it's extremely important. And with therapy, I, you know, I see what you mean. I totally understand that, you know, we shouldn't wait for crisis to happen before we seek help. With a lot of people see that with counseling and therapy is you only go there when um, something is wrong. But the way I see it is, no, you should be prepared for something if it happens. You don't wait for it to happen. And by then, you know, literally the damage is done. But I you know, I absolutely think that. And there, you know, you mentioned it, it could be, there's so many kinds of help that people can seek. It could be through church, it could be um, different types of help, but definitely we need to maintain our mental health so that we can, first of all, be prepared in case anything happens. Um, and also to be our truest, highest self, because when we get to know ourselves, we get to be there for the people we love and care for. Um, you kind of definitely touched on the difference uh, with therapy and um, what a coach does. But can you walk us through like what a divorce coach does? Um, like what if I were you know, or our listeners were to hire a divorce coach, like what can they expect? Well, a couple of things that I do in my practice. The first thing is I assess 
you know, everyone who's interested in coaching, right, um, to see what their needs are. But generally, I help my clients gain a fresh perspective. You know, you're transitioning. And just as you just mentioned, in terms of finding out who you are as women, that's that sort of goes along with that self-esteem piece. We're lost. And we generally, as women, identify ourselves with our spouses, our lifestyle and our children. And so when you shift into being single, you've got to look at what's happening to you with a fresh set of eyes and a fresh perspective. And I help my clients do that. In addition, I help them cope and adjust to the new lifestyle. And, and this is, you know, let's, you know, it, it seems pretty basic, but it's a huge transition. You've been living with another person for years. Some people 20, 30, I have clients who are married for 30 years. And so now you're in a totally different lifestyle. So I help them cope and adjust through strategies, depending on what it is, you know, for each individual. I provide unwavering support, whether that's just encouragement, whether that's a listening ear, whether that's, hey, you know, I have an idea. I want to change careers. I help them gather that information. How can we set a plan up for you to make that transition and how long will that take? Another thing that I help my clients do is help them prevent making the same mistakes and the pitfalls, right? And that can be with just, these are just some examples with setting boundaries, as we talked before of understanding yourself, understanding who you are, being self-aware and maybe why you um, behaved or responded or created patterns in your relationship that you have. And so if you don't sort of break those patterns, then you will end up with this making the same mistakes, uh, setting boundaries. Another one, helping them just sort of manage their emotions. Um, and we know you can be in a roller coaster of emotions when you're going through divorce. And then also for some women, the dating piece, how to start over. How do I get back out here um, in 2020, 2019 and start all over again? So those are some things that um, I do in my practice. Um, and those can be, all of those things can happen on a one-on-one level, or, you know, I have a plethora of group coaching programs, master classes, and all that. But I would say that that's in a nutshell, how I help uh, the clients and the women that I serve. Mm, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's hard because you, like you said, you're in a relationship for a long time, or you've given your, you know, a, a huge part of your life to this idea of being with someone and having this um, idea and picture of having a family. And then all of a sudden, you know, now that has changed. And that's one of the traumas in divorce, I see, like, it's, is like, you know, everything shifts. And for many people, that's very difficult. And we can be in this you know, in this hole, we put ourselves in because we don't let go. Uh, if we keep, you know, saying, okay, this, this is the idea I had, and it didn't work out. And we're, we're stuck in that mindset, it's very difficult to move on. We don't even it's, you know, for me, when I was going through it, it was very dark, because I had this idea of what my life would look like and the, I didn't, many of us don't get married, obviously thinking that we'd be divorced, but the whole thing is 
you know, ripped out of your feet and it could be hard, but I love the idea of having a divorce coach because then now you have someone with the tools and the guidance you need to kind of help you come out of that hole, to help you see like, oh, there is a different way of life and there are things that I can do. Uh, There just gives you a different perspective and helps you let go of that expectations you had. Um, So I just love that there is this resource and I I just want to thank you for the work that you do. I think it's just amazing. And I hope that people who, you know, are listening, who are going through a divorce um, or who know anybody to mention this, that, you know, you're not alone. There are so many resources. Um, That's one thing I felt was, alone because I, I I didn't have a lot of friends who were divorced uh, or, you know, family members. So I was just kind of blindly going through it. And sometimes even our friends and family, you know, they come from a place of love, but they might not give you the right information. They want to make you, you, you know, what you tell us about that a little bit, actually, like listening about, you know, family members and what should we be careful of when we're going through a divorce? Yeah. In terms of relationships, you know, uh, it's so traumatic. It, it really is. And we think about us as humans. Uh, relationships are important to us. And when we're in a marriage, you know, we have, of course, the relationship with our spouse. We have taken on the relationship with their family. They have taken on the relationship with our family, right? During the course of the marriage, we, I may have had my friends. They may have had their friends, right? Each spouse. And then you have that collective group of maybe couple friends that you've known for years and years and you've gotten together and you know, you're know you at each other's kids, birthday parties and all those things. And so when you go through the pain of a divorce, it challenges these relationships, all those that I just mentioned. And what I have found with a lot of my clients is that is very painful, especially friendships. Right. And we, we sort of can kind of understand, even though it's difficult, but we can kind of understand that for some, not all, for some um, in-laws, you know, it's kind of a side thing. Right. You know, in terms of, you know, they love their family member. They love you, too. But, you know, it can be depending on what's happened in the marriage. Uh, family members can take sides, if you will. But when it comes to friendships, one of the things that I um, talk with my clients about is you know, we have to understand how friendships are formed, right? We create friendships based on a commonality, right? And so I love to use the workplace as an example. A lot of times we go to work, we have, you know, work in a specific company, let's say for five years. And so we're with those individuals every single day, right? For eight plus hours. And, and we develop a sort of friendship with that person. But when we move on to another job, to another employer, Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, those relationships are broken because the commonality was that job, that employer, right? 
And I'm going to make a point in a second. So once that commonality starts to diminish, and it's almost like, you know, you stay contact for a little bit and then six months goes by, you haven't seen them. I mean, occasionally you can really make a real bond at a, at a, at a workplace. You can, but generally, right? Well, it's similar in our friendships, in our friendships when we're married. So let's say we met another couple and we always got together. Well, now we're not a couple anymore. So there's that dynamic shift. And we have to learn that or understand it's not necessarily personal, but it can make us feel like an outsider, if you will, because now we may not be invited. Now we may not be included. These are real issues that people go through or we're invited, but we're uncomfortable or the settings are different. We're the, you know, we're the single person. Everybody else is married. So those are some real um, challenges that people have in terms of relationships. But I think the biggest piece is the mindset, Addie, is just really understanding that it's not personal, right? People love you. However, sometimes they don't really know what to do. You know, it's kind of like when there's a death, you know, in your family and, and people say they're sorry, but they don't, they don't really know how to reach out. They can't really relate to the pain you're going through. It's similar. And so I think that when you have an understanding and you begin to sort of step out of your comfort zone, which can be easier for some than others, that you may have to make new friendships based on new commonalities, right? And that's where support groups are wonderful. Um, I mean, there's a ton of ways and, you know, I help my clients do that, how you can reach out and sort of regain a social life, if you will. But absolutely, that is a very difficult piece in transition of divorce when it comes to relationships. Absolutely. Yes. You need to develop that mindset that you're, you know, it's a new life now that you have and you develop new friendships, new, you know, just your life is starting off new and a lot of people see that as a failure of their you know life you know if they go through a divorce if they're divorced that you know i didn't like that that saying of oh your family is broken or your marriage has failed i i didn't like that and i never accepted it and i hope people don't because no that is your journey and that experience uh, that has taught you something and now you move on you become a better version of yourself to become even you know a better you so um I don't accept that and I I, I really want to put that out there also um but let's, let's let's jump on to family now you know co-parenting is a huge thing um and it's not, it's not an easy thing. It's definitely done well when you have maintained a good relationship with your ex-partner. However, if that relationship isn't healed or it's toxic, co-parenting can be just a very challenging thing. Um, can you talk to us about that? Like, how to how to handle that if we're in a toxic relationship, especially with um, our ex-partner? Absolutely. And this is a big one, especially if you've come out of uh, any type of abusive relationship, verbal, emotional, physical, um, you know, anything. And you have a toxic partner or, or a former toxic spouse. 
So yes, I can definitely share some information about that. One of the things is we have to remember when we talk about co-parenting, and by the way, I am still co-parenting. Um, I have, uh, well, an adult child that's 26 and a 16 year old. I've been at this taping, I've been co-parenting for 10 years. So, <laughs> so not only am I, you know, I'm telling you as part of this from experience as well as work with my clients and some of their successes as well. But here's the thing is the first, when we think about co-parenting, before we even get to the toxic part, we want to think about, um, beginning with the end in mind. And so one of my favorite books, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey, uh, that's one of the rules there, so to speak, or one of his suggestions, but we can apply that to co-parenting. So when we think about our children, depending on the age of our children, let's look ahead five years, 10 years, 20 years. How do we want our children what type of relationship do we want to have with them ourselves and also with the other parent, right? Because sons may need their dads in the teen years, daughter may, you know, they want to have a healthy relationship with their parent. Um, if possible, we know there are extremes, right? So I'm just going to say generally, you know, the day they want to walk down the aisle and there's grandchildren, right? And all those things and dances and proms and depending on the age of the kids, begin with the end in mind, Right. And I say that because then that can help us dictate our behaviors, not out of emotion, but with the goal, if you will, the end in mind of how we want our children to have a relationship with us and how we want our children to have a relationship with the other parent. That's very, very important. And that will help guide us when we're feeling emotional. That'll help guide us. We want to do things that we know aren't we're operating out of our emotions because we're angry or we're upset or we didn't get our way in a certain situation. The second thing is boundaries. Whenever you're dealing with someone who is toxic, it's boundaries. And if you've been in an abusive relationship, and I work a lot with my clients in this, is you have to break the patterns, right? Because what happens is, even though you may have physically separated from that relationship, now you have a tie that you have to communicate with that person. And believe it or not, when you're in an abusive relationship, you can hear that person's voice and your whole mindset or your whole behavior can shift based on the inflection of their voice, because that has been the patterns that have been created, right? And so you have to learn how to identify what those patterns are in terms of what you feel in certain conversations and how to break those patterns. But they begin with detaching, first of all. When we're talking about co-parenting, you have to detach, right? When, you're, when you have a toxic partner, detaching means less communication as possible outside of what's necessary for the children, right? And so that can come through um, texting only, emailing only, especially in the, that early part of separation and divorce because emotions are so high. And when you're dealing with a difficult person, verbally talking to them, can immediately create <laughs> uh, situations that are not focused on the children, if you will, right? But texts and emails can help. With that being said, people can still be abusive and negative in text messages and emails. However, that's where you have to determine 
that you have to learn how to set boundaries in that area as well. And I've had to do this over the course of the year, over the years um, initially. Um, you have to teach people how to treat you, even as a co-parent. And then lastly, one of the things that I am a huge proponent of, and, and I have gotten slack over this over the years, uh, not uh, mostly from um, friends and family members, but 10 years later, it has served us well. And so I, I suggest this a lot. And what that is, is a neutral meeting ground for co-parenting, um, quote unquote, exchanges, if you will. So when you're dealing with a toxic person, when you create a neutral exchange ground, so when, do you, so when I say that, what I mean is when you're co-parenting and you're sort of, for lack of a better word, swapping the kids, right? You've got to pick up the kids, drop off the kids, that you make that area a neutral ground. So for us, it literally and has been and still is a local Starbucks. It's a halfway point for each of us. And what that did in the beginning of our, our separation divorces, we were co our co-parenting journey was it left, it kept us out of each other's environments, which can trigger negative emotions, negative behaviors. So let me just give an example. For me, I moved away with my children, right? But let's just say it was the opposite for someone and they're dealing with a, a negative, uh, a negative ex. Well, it can be very challenging for them to keep coming back to their old home to pick up their kids or you going to your old home to pick up your kids or you going to your old home and there's somebody else's significant other. Those things can be very challenging, especially in the first season of co-parenting. And so when we create some sort of neutral exchange, it helps eliminate all of that and keep the focus on what we're here to do. That's exchange our kids, give any relative or necessary information. We are in a public place or public area. So if, you know, if there is someone, if you've had a, a toxic relationship where someone's sort of abusive or bold or, you know, or you're afraid, you're in a public area. And so you can alleviate um, a lot of those challenges. So just a quick recap is one, begin with the end in mind. Think about your kids in the future. Right. Because sometimes it's easy for us to be manipulative as parents when we're in this co-parenting journey. And so if you think ahead, you can focus on the end result and not the emotions that you have right now. The second thing is, um, you know, keep things text and emails as much as possible and less verbal communication, especially initially. And then thirdly, the neutral exchange ground, if you will, um, in terms of exchanging the children. I love that. Those are my top three. Those are amazing. I love them. I love them all. Um, especially, I mean, they're all great, but wow, thinking of, you know, ahead and the future, that kind of brings you out from whatever is going on right now. I love that because you're focusing on the kids and what you want from them, for them. And it kind of um what it, it de-elevates <laughs> if that's even the right word yes, the tension yes. <laughs> I don't know it kind of brings down the tension of what you're going through right now and paints a picture of what you want I love that uh it helps without even understanding what I was doing I did that a lot and I still do um is I think about okay what do I want for them um, what, what, what do I want, you know, 
if graduations, what do I want graduations to look like? Uh, what do I want their weddings to look like? And yes, that's just beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us because um, a lot of people that I talk to who uh, you know are now adults but have uh, have had very difficult experiences with their parents going through a divorce, what they share is that um, you know that they were very, they wished that their parents could have handled things better for them. Um, they didn't, they don't, they never say that they wish that they, their parents stayed together, but that they did not have, you know, uh, fights in front of them. That right. They wish they the could emotional be. part. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I think that would help if we as parents um, who are co-parenting focus on, okay, what do we want for these kids in the future? And what do we want for them to feel? What kind of experience do we want to give them? Then it becomes easier to communicate. Um, yeah, so I really like that. One of the other things I, I had a question for you is, um, you know, when we go through a divorce and we talked about how, you know, traumatic that is, if we don't seek out help um, and we're, you know, really struggling, it kind of causes us to have like a lack of meaning. If we're stuck in the past, we will feel like, you know, what's, what's the point of it all? And, um, that could be, you know, that can affect a lot of things in our life. But how does that affect our relationships? Um, especially, um, you know, it could affect it at work and family, but also our relationships. If we are in a relationship, if we end up either remarrying or being in a relationship, that can affect us. So what are the things that we can do to have, a, you know, to kind of have meaning again for our lives? Oh, well, there's a couple of things. So when you say meaning for our lives, and I know you talk about relationships, so are, are you saying in relationships or just in general? So I can just kind of be clear. In general, really yeah. in general, because of, you know, our expectations were to stay with that person. And then now all of a sudden we're not. Now all of a sudden we're single or we're uh, now starting a new life. But even to get there is a process. We might feel like, okay, what's the point of it all? What is it that we can do to just in general start enjoying life, you know, start doing things alone as, um, as an individual rather than the idea of us as a couple with the ex. Absolutely, absolutely. And so I think that the start of that is, you're almost like starting at ground one, is self-assessment, you know, self-assessment and self-awareness. And so really just, that's why the self-care thing is so important, is taking time to figure out what, first of all, who were you prior to, right? That marriage. What were some things you wanted in life? What were your goals? What were your ambitions, right? What were just the things that you like to do, whether they were big things or little things that you let go of, 
right? And so sometimes we as individuals can find happiness in the smallest things, but we've let them go because of the, um, you know, busyness of life or, you know, putting others before our, our own care. And it really is a time of self-assessment and self-awareness. And I believe that once we dedicate that time, and as you said earlier, hey, this is a journey. This is not an overnight um, an accomplishment in terms of you know, self-assessing and becoming more self-aware and the healing journey of a divorce. It doesn't happen overnight, but you can commit to yourself to learn more about yourself and you can pick up some of the things, if you already know, what it is that you've let go. And that is part of where we find a lot of our happiness and our joy, right? And again, it goes kind of back to that self-esteem where when women come out, we're like, okay, who am I? What, what do I do now? I, I've lost myself, right? So that self-assessment and that self-awareness is a big, big piece. And so for those who are watching, or watching or listening, I, this is a challenge that I give out a lot in my private community and some of my clients, and it's called the 40 likes challenge. And it's really just numbering your paper one to 40 and writing down all the things you like, whether it's a color, whether it's a food, whether it's an activity, whether it's whatever it is. And do you know that initially a lot of women get stuck after like number five? Where we've lost, we, you know, we haven't just taken the time to think about what we like, right? So whether it's sunsets, whether it's shopping at, you know, <laughs> Nordstrom's, whatever it is, right? Um, you know, Starbucks coffee, whatever, whatever it is, but sometimes we lose ourselves. And so we just sort of need some rekindling, right? And when we rekindle those, those things that we like and we enjoy, then we can determine what we want to pursue. And when we say pursue, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, like, you know, like you and I in the space of coaching or, or starting a business. It can just be a hobby. It can be, I've always wanted to run a marathon or I've always wanted to take a salsa class or whatever that is. And that's how you kind of rekindle that fire in your life. And also to know that it's okay to do that. Sometimes when we've been in relationships and marriages and raising kids, it's a busy life. We know that. But as women, we tend to just put ourselves on the back burner. And as you said, we don't have to do that. We don't have to settle. We don't have to put ourselves on the back burner. We continue to grow. We can continue to learn more about ourselves. And we can show up every day as our best self. And our best today may not be the same as our best tomorrow but we can do our best as we're growing and maturing uh, and learning more about ourselves on this journey. And being 10 years out of my second marriage, I'm still learning things about myself. You know, because sometimes we don't, Addie, we don't know until certain situations arise that sort of challenge us, if you will, um, different parts of us. And so it's a journey. It is, it is definitely a journey. I love that. Oh my goodness. I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to do it right after. Yeah. This <laughs> that is, that is amazing. I, yes. Let's all do that. Um, and you know, even if you're not divorced, even if you're single and right. you're, or if you're, you're married, just do this, get to know who you are, get to know what you love and what you like. And like you said, it's okay to do it. Do one thing from that list and that will give you so much confidence in your life, you know, 
we normally, you know, we listen to a podcast or we watch a show and we're motivated. And then usually that kind of, you know, whatever we write down stays in that notebook. But don't let this be something like really write this on a piece of paper, put it on your fridge where you can see it because don't forget it. And then do one thing, maybe do something once a month or, um, you know, for me, it was cooking. Uh, I used to enjoy cooking, but it became a task, you know, and then I didn't enjoy it anymore. But now I'm kind of restarting that by bringing in new recipes and cooking with my kids. And I just made it something more enjoyable by taking something very ordinary that I did and then mixing it up. Uh, but I love I love this so much. Thank you uh, for giving us this, um, this amazing tip. Um, let me ask you this. Is there, you know, when we come out from a divorce, um, is there a right time to think about dating or even get into a relationship after? I think it's different for everyone. But one of the things regardless of the chronological time, is that you healing, that you, you have, you know, and, we, and we're constantly healing, if you will, but those major hindrances, and we all know what they are for each of us, having come through a, a, a divorce, that you heal those parts. And especially, and I say for women, because we are emotional, men have their challenges too after divorce, but they're, we're made differently, right? We're emotional beings. And um, if you've gone through any type of abuse or mistreatment, you have to understand that today's society in terms of dating is very different than it was 30 years ago, 20 years ago even. And dating, really it's always been this way, but I think it's more profound because people are online dating and meeting in different ways now. But dating is really about rejection and judgment. And we don't like to say that, but it's true, right? On either side. So when you meet someone, right? You meet them, you may have talked to them, but then you meet them and go, ah, that's really not the person for me. Or I could see where this wouldn't work out, right? You're, you're judging in a way, I hate to use, I don't know if, I don't know any other word to use, but you know, assessing. <laughs> Right. So you're assessing or judging them. Right. And then if you don't want to see them again, that's sort of rejection. Right. But it's not personal. So my point is, if you haven't healed in this area, you will take it personal. And if you go out into that world, if you will, quote unquote, world prematurely, then you're going to be looking at it from your old set of eyes and the negativity of your past relationship. And until that healing and understanding of yourself. And a lot of times what happens is, and this is even from my own personal experience, but I learned this through therapy and I learned it through coaching, is how to, once I identify what my challenges were, so I'll use codependency as an, as an example. I understood boundaries are huge for a person who has a history of codependency. And so I had to learn that when I would be dating, um, that there were some things that I wanted to say, yes, oh, I can do this, I can do that, I can do that, right? <laughs> you know, but I knew that's my weakness. So I have to say, you know, Andrea, no, this is a boundary you have to set right here. And it doesn't mean it was anything outlandish. I don't mean that. But, you know, you have to learn that about yourself in order to put healthy behaviors into place. And if you don't understand that about yourself, you will take things personal and 
And uh, this is this is what comes to my mind is that, you know, you'll kind of go back home in the fetal position and never want to date again, if you will. Right. Because it's different. Um, even when I think about, you know, I'm, you know, I'm older. Right. So I, I think about 30 years ago, you know, a lot of people were staying in their hometowns and lived and knew everybody. And so it was easy to meet and know someone's background, you know, and know their families. Well, the world today has changed so much and we have to be ready for that is my point. And that healing piece is very, very important so that when you do enter the dating um, process, you can look at it from a perspective that it deserves, if you will, not necessarily personal, but if you meet that right person, great. You're open, you can walk through that process step-by-step and let it evolve, right? Without a lot of past baggage and um, false insecurities or negative expectations. That's beautiful. Absolutely, yes, I love it. What do you think? So what are the things that we could do at home um, outside from getting, you know, doing the work, going through going to um, therapy or working with a coach? But once, you know, we, are divorced and we have our new place and we're living alone, what are the things that we can do to make life more enjoyable for us? Absolutely. One of the things is, especially if you have children, is take off the cape, right? Because sometimes we're operating like Superwoman and Wonder Woman, and we really don't have that capacity. We got to understand that, you know, there was a point, there were two of us, and now there's one. And you have to take care of yourself. And, you know, we, we hear all this, you know, self-care, 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 but it's so true that you've got to take care of yourself first so that you are giving from your overflow. You're not giving people the last part of you, if you will, because you've drained or giving yourself the last part of you because you've drained yourself out. Right. And so I think giving yourself, this is what I teach my clients. I call it 15 first meaning the first 15 minutes of your day, ideally 30, but I start small, right? Give yourself your time, 15 minutes a day, wake up earlier, take that shower, take that, whatever, whatever it is for you, but you've got to take care of yourself and whatever you need to give yourself, give it to you. If you need a break, take a break. If you need a nap, take a nap. If you need a vacation, you know, ask someone to keep your kids, whatever you need, you have to give it to yourself. And for women, that's a challenge and a mindset shift for us, especially coming out of family life and being married for most, not all. Some people have found that in their relationships, but for a lot of us, that's a huge shift. So self-care. The second thing is, you know, in your home, creating routines and rituals, if you will. So, you know, maybe you had old routines and you're trying to put them in your new life, but it doesn't fit. You can create new routines with your kids, right? Or, or new traditions. Um, Start anew, think fresh. So that way you're not stuck on old memories and we used to do it this way and now I can't. No, okay, maybe you can't, but you don't have to. You get to change what it is that you want to do. If that, I hope that makes sense. Your rituals to stay connected with family and your children, right? Because especially for those who are single parents, it's a lot of work, right? And we can be inundated. But I think when our kids know that Wednesday, we're going to do this together or Friday, we're going to do that together or whatever, then then it helps 
the cohesiveness as a home, especially with younger kids and, you know, and just kind of giving a, a helpful flow to your new home environment. And the third thing is support. Ask for what you need. There is no shame in asking for help. And that help can be a therapist, a coach, a babysitter, a support group, um, whatever, finances. Sometimes there's a financial challenge for people, for women, and they're, they don't want to reach out and ask for help. Ask for what you need. That transition of divorce, it's a season. It will not be like that always. And whatever that challenge is, it won't be always. You will live and love again. But it takes time and it's a process. And know that you deserve support. You deserve help. You're worthy. There is nothing wrong with asking for what you need. And asking for you what you need can be on your job. It can be in your friendships. Right. Hey, maybe you need a break. You can't talk to your friends for three hours like you used to or whatever. Right. You have different responsibilities and it's OK. It is OK. So take good care of yourself. Create rituals and connections with your family that you can look forward to and ask for what you need. Get the support that you need when you need it. Wow. That's beautiful. I have nothing to add to that. That's that's just perfect. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you. Uh, for so much wisdom that you shared with us here today. I believe that we're all here to serve one another. How can me and my listeners serve you? What is it that we can do for you? Because you've shared so much valuable things with us. Right. Well, you can just share the word. You know, if you know there's a woman, um, um, because I work primarily with women, just share the information, share this podcast, share the resources. This is not even about them being a coach, or a client of mine. It's about information. We've got to help and support one another. And as you said earlier, which I could totally relate to, it's like a lot of times we, we don't want to talk about it or we're ashamed in a way, depending on what our challenge was. And we feel so isolated and we feel so alone. And we just need to let people know you're not in this by yourself. Others have gone through the journey. You're more than an overcomer. I mean, every single woman who's hearing this broadcast, you have everything that you need inside of you that can take you on this next journey or this next chapter of your life, whatever it may be. But we just need to share the word. And that's all I ask for anyone who's listening to this podcast. Share this podcast, share Addie's resources, share my resources so that the word can spread to help elevate women who've gone through these tragedies. Yes, yes, absolutely. And how can uh, listeners contact you? Uh, they can go directly to my website, which is easy, andreamstuckey.com, andreamstuckey.com. And from that from that website, you can find me on all social media platforms at divorce underscore coach seven. I have a private Facebook community. Um, I have several, you know, I've written five books as we talked about. Um, I have an amazing academy, a 12 week academy, uh, divorce and destiny academy program. So if you go to that website, I think everything else kind of pushes out from there. And, uh, and if you want to have a free one-on-one -on -one consultation and talk with me, you can go directly to bit.ly forward slash divorce liberator, all lowercase, all one word. And I'd love to talk to anyone who needs it. Wonderful. And I will make sure I uh, have your contact information on the show notes as well. 
Thank you so, so okay. much, Andrea. Thank you. Um, we're so grateful. Thank you. you so much for having me. Wonderful. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a great opportunity. Thank you. How awesome was that? That was just an amazing conversation. I could have talked to her for hours. Um, you know, there was just a lot to uncover. I hope you guys gained so much from this episode as I did. Uh, so much wisdom, so much knowledge, and I'm so grateful and honored to have had this time uh, to dig deep. And uh, I loved her vulnerability. I loved how, um, you know, she is and she has just an amazing soul. And uh, I'm glad that I was able to have Andrea here on our show today. If you guys uh, loved this show, if you guys think of anybody that would benefit from this conversation that we just had. I would love for you to share this. Um, you know, like I say all the time, we're here to serve one another. And if you share this with someone, that's, you know, do you shining your light, you doing your part in the healing process that each and every one of us are going through. So um, I love you all. I'm so grateful for you. And um, until next time, stay safe and blessed, beautiful souls. Love you.